You are listening to the Shredcast. No titties, baby. Yeah. It's the health code for snowboarders. Let's send it. Well, welcome back to the Shredcast, everyone. Today we have Ian Osby. He is a freestyle skier, lives out in Breckenridge, Colorado. Absolutely amazing skier, just does all of the like super big jumps, big park features. So we'll definitely touch on that. He's also really into fitness and training young athletes and going into joint health. So we'll touch on that as well. But welcome to the Shredcast, Ian. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, super excited to talk skiing, talk fitness, anything in that area. That's that's my my ish, my jam. So I'm all about it. Hell yeah. Well, let's just start from the beginning. Um, are you originally from Breckenridge or did you grow up somewhere else? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Durango, Colorado, which is like mm-hmm. about a little less than six hours uh, southwest in mm-hmm. still in Colorado. Um, cool little town. We had my home mountain was Purgatory Resort. If any of you guys out oh. there know it or live out there, represent. It's an awesome place. Um, love that mountain. Smaller, but super fun and um, yeah, graduated high school and, you know, I'd become been coming out to Breckenridge to ski pretty much every weekend throughout high school since I was like a sophomore. I had friends out here that I looked up to who graduated and, and got housing out here. So I was able to crash on their couch. Um, I was with a friend that was also, we you know, our main mission was to ski and to progress in skiing and to film each other. And so I'd come out with him like again, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, usually leave on Monday. So I missed a lot of school, uh, <laughs> which was great. And, uh, you know, yeah, really just when it came time to like where my next place was after, after I graduated high school, it wasn't really much of a question for me. Breckenridge was the spot. Oh yeah. That's super cool. I have to ask then because purgatory is like the only bigger mountain, like known mountain. Oh, your dog <laughs> yeah. only like bigger known mountain on like the pass that I have for snowball. So uh-huh. have you ever come down here? Because they're the same pass. I've never skied Snowball, but I've skied Sipapu. Have you heard of Sipapu? Yeah, That's yeah on that- it's on the pass, but I've never been. Okay, yeah. So actually, I'm great friends with um, the owner's son of Purgatory, Sipapu, Snowball, all of those resorts. Um, mm-hmm. We went to high school together in Durango. His name's Garrett Coleman. He's a legend. Uh, the Colemans own all the resorts, and they're just absolutely amazing. They've done a great job with again i haven't really been out to those resorts but purgatory i can speak for they've done a great wonderful job of you know um putting the effort into the right places and really just creating an awesome community so shout out to them for keeping it real i'd love to come out and check out snowball though i i told you i have uh some family that lives in flagstaff so i'll be out there at some point for sure yeah i'm trying to make it out to purg this year i've lived here for six years and still have never gone up and it's normally like I think it's only like four hours away. It's not bad. Yeah, about four hours. I think it's worth it for sure. Perg is an awesome mountain, small, but really great terrain and really fun. Oh yeah. Well, obviously, growing up in like a small mountain town, I'm assuming is kind of what sparked your interest in skiing. But what made you go into like the freestyle realm? Yeah. So I what started skiing when I was about three years old. I don't remember those times, you know, it was like the early times. I'm sure my parents had a struggle just like everyone else does at that age. Like, the, you know, it's, it's hard when you're that young. Um, Mm -hmm. So I have like my earliest memory of skiing was not a great one. Like it was like struggling to keep my boots on and dealing with all the gear and dropping my poles and like, you know, heavy snow and lots of work. So that's like where I started. And then as I grew up again, just like you said, being in a mountain town, skiing was very prevalent. It was really like something that everyone does. So I got on the mogul team when I was in seventh grade because I wanted to take it more seriously. I played soccer my whole life. So I was always an athletic person. I took soccer very seriously too. I traveled around and I, um, that's where I met most of my friends that I, you know, still call brothers and sisters, uh, that I grew up with, but Mm -hmm you know, wanted to take skiing more seriously. So in my head, I wanted to try backflips. I had a uh, trampoline my entire life. And I was like, if I'm going to progress in skiing, I want to do a flip, you know? And my parents Mm -hmm. were like, 
the mogul team that's great like they'll teach you how to do that they have a, a dry land facility that you can go and practice with them have coaches help you um, and do it the safest way possible rather than like just going out and hucking it and trying it and having the potential of getting hurt so got on yeah. the mogul team um did that for two years i never actually did a competition whereas that friend that i mentioned earlier that i started traveling with he was like one of the top you know skiers my age on that same mogul team he was traveling around for competitions and stuff so it's it's something that i wanted to do but i just remember standing at the top of a mogul course and looking down and seeing like my reflection almost in the moguls and just being like this is not me this is not what I <laughs> just wanted to focus on the jump you know yeah. that's what i wanted to focus on so got really good at air awareness through that. I had professional coaches helping me on the trampoline. I had a lot of good influence in that area, but I was always getting drawn towards the park and pipe side of things. I, mm -hmm. you know, the freedom of it, the possibility to create how I wanted to create, you know what I mean? So that's what I was really drawn to. And I remember when I actually got to that point where I felt confident, confident enough to try a backflip on my own, my coaches, mm -hmm denied me on the mogul team and said that I had to go through a hundred I had to do a hundred backflips on a water ramp um which was in steamboat that was the closest one and it was very expensive and I had to get certified in all of these areas before I could try it on snow however I was in the, this place where I was just feeling ready to do it you know yeah this is a really long detour to get to the, the answer to your question but just to bring it back <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that I was always drawn to that. And then when I was kind of denied that on the mogul team, I, you know, since I had always been drawn to the park and pipe team and the freedom of that, I was like, all right, it's time, you know, I got to get yeah. over. So left the, the mogul team and signed up with the park and pipe team, which was a much smaller program. Um, but one of the best coaches I've ever had, he changed my life and really sent my career from there. Okay. And this was in high school or. So. I joined the, the park and pipe team freshman year of high school. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's super cool. I wish I would have started that young. And I think like, that's a big thing too. When you're younger, you're 14 or whatever, especially for guys, I feel like you're like invincible and you're like, I'm just going to try everything. And I feel like that helps a lot too with progression. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes it's good to have someone telling you like, you know, maybe we should hold back a little bit. Don't, don't just, but the fact that I felt so ready and even my coaches were telling me like, you're ready, but legally and like, it's our responsibility that you have to go through these other certifications. I was like, okay, it's not for me. I'm going to go and do this. I actually did a back little side story. I, uh, my buddies and I, when I was in eighth grade, so still on the mogul team, uh, it was a powder day. We went on purgatory um, after it snowed, we built a little jump and we tried backflips and we were filming each other. Mm -hmm. I think two of us out of our group of seven landed it. The other ones got really close, um, including me. I, I didn't land it that day, but I got close. <laughs> and then the video got out to one of the coaches on the mogul team. And we actually were threatened that if we were to try it again without a coach, we would be penalized, kicked off the team. Wow. whatever. So it was very serious, yeah. you know, which I do understand as well. But, um, yeah. you know, that's just how it goes. So, yeah. yeah Switch to the more freedom side mm -hmm. of things. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't know much about skiing or like pros in skiing. I know like the really big names and that's about it. But growing up, did you have like any influential people that you like really looked up to? Like was your goal to try and go pro? I know a lot of times with you and your friends like filming that usually ends up being the thing. Like, can we get someone to see our video and stuff like that? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. This was right around the time that park skiing and X Games and everything was like getting to the next level. Um, Henrik Harlow, excuse me, was a huge, huge inspiration for me. I remember seeing him in his dreadlocks for the first time on TV. I think it was X Games Big Air 2013. So I remember he that was the year that he did the nose butter double cork at Aspen Big Air. And I mm -hmm. lost it. Like that's when like I, I remember feeling this passion of like, oh, my God, that's what I want to do, you know, and. Mm -hmm. So he was a huge inspiration. I remember there was rumors that he was at Purgatory one day. All of us went out there, searched for him all day long, looking for him on the mountain. <laughs> um, you know, Tom Wallace was someone that I always watched his videos, looked up to him, Simon Dumont, like, you know, the OGs, people that I know you're a snowboarder, but anyone who knows skiing and park would really, you might even know those names. They're like the biggest in the game. And so yeah. that was like a huge influence on me of just, uh, you know, 
I would watch the videos on YouTube every single morning and every single night and just get so fired up. Yeah, that's super cool. Well, I kind of want to talk about like progression. Obviously, you know more like skiing progression, but I think when it comes down to like freestyle big jumps, the thing that holds back people from progression on both skiers and snowboarders tends to be the same. A lot of it's fear rather than skill. So do you have like any tips for people, whether it's like really small, they want to hit their first box to like, they want to level up to like the big jumps. Like what would like some advice you would give someone that wants to start doing those kinds of things? Getting over fear, getting to bigger features, bigger jumps, um, moving from boxes to rails. Like I think comfortability is a huge aspect of that. Um, you have to be able to be confident on the the first step. So if you're trying to get to hit like a large down flat down rail, you should be comfortable with hitting boxes and hitting a flat rail. You know what I mean? So giving mm -hmm. yourself that confidence and that proof that you you have what it takes is is a big first step. And I know that seems simple, but it's very important. Um, yeah. I also think that preparing yourself outside of skiing is really huge. And that's something that's really boosted my, my confidence in the last few years to the mm -hmm. next level is building muscle, like doing the things, uh, making sure I get a good night's sleep before I go out there. Like I used to press myself so hard for not feeling up for trying something. When, when I look back though, I was not in the right headspace because I was tired or I was I was yeah. hungry. Like the, even the most simplest things, like I didn't eat breakfast that morning and I was a little shaky and starving and all my friends are just crushing it and killing it. But I have this one thing that I didn't do before to prepare that I, you know, that could have changed the game. So as far as confidence, I think having your base, your foundation, making sure you get a good meal in the morning, like those little things play, play very big into that concept of fear and doing everything in your possibility to make yourself confident because the fear is going to be there. Like people yeah. think that I'm not scared hitting big jumps. I'm terrified, dude. It's scary. It's super yeah. scary. Like copper just opened their big line. And the first time I went into those jumps, man, it's terrifying. So mm -hmm. you really just have to go into it knowing that first of all, you've done what you can do. Like, obviously there are times when, you know, you're getting pushed to do something and you, you have this feeling that you can do it. And a lot of times I think you should go for it, even if it's maybe a step above your, your level. I think if people are telling you, you got this and you feel like you could do it, give mm -hmm. it a try. But if it's something that is way out of your comfort zone and you want to do it, but you're like, you know, you're so afraid that it doesn't seem within your grasp, then take a step back. Let's go back to the basics. You know what I mean? So yeah that's just something a lot of people forget about because it's scary it's like this sport is scary and you have to be able to do what you can that's in your control if that makes sense yeah totally and I feel like you kind of know but you almost don't want to listen to yourself sometimes where you're like should I actually be doing this or like okay I know I can but you get in your head about it and those are like the two different cues that you have to be like okay if I know I can but I'm just scared you can kind of push through that but if your body's saying like, are you sure about that? That's when you could maybe be like, not today. <laughs> yeah. You have this deep feeling that something's not right. Like that's a good sign to take a step back. You know what I mean? And and chill. Yeah, So totally. Yeah, yeah I, I recently was, there's like this little up flat down, like ride on rail in our park, but it's, I'm not going to lie, kind of like shitting on the park crew. It's set up so bad. It's uh -huh. like, greater than 45 degrees to go up type of thing there's no lips you can't yeah it's it's and it's not like a huge feature it's a pretty fat flat rail but I went up to it with just like way too much speed not knowing how steep that thing is and it just <laughs> launched me and I landed so hard on my hip I was like oh Jesus <laughs> totally some of those things too that are outside of your control like you know, it, it just takes a second to, to get that comfortability. So I totally get that having those weird features. Yeah. And I feel like that's where it comes down to what you mentioned with like building muscle and stuff is if your goal is to progress, even if it's not in the park, even if it's just like bigger tree lines or whatever, like you also have to know that there's risks that comes with that. And inevitably you're going to eat shit. Obviously totally. you probably should be eating shit a little bit. And, mm -hmm. um, if you're not comfortable doing that, then maybe it's not something you should 
focus on or if you feel like your body isn't comfortable doing it then that's when you've got to like step back into the gym and be like okay how can i get myself there for sure absolutely like you have to do that um and a lot of people don't in our sport like a lot mm -hmm. of people don't so that's that's a message that that's a reason that i'm really um inspired by you and like i think we're gonna have a really good just friendship because we're doing kind of the same thing in the in snowboarding and skiing trying to introduce people to that that side of things that it is important to put in the work and you will feel better if you go into this season feeling more fit more strong you know you will do better um but yeah. something so that I see too that I wanted to mention is that I there's this saying that uh, I actually heard in my psychology class in college where he he was my teacher my professor was a skier and he made this analogy of skiing through the trees and how if you're skiing through the trees and you only look at the trees then you're inevitably gonna hit a tree like that's just how it works if you yep. want to ski through the trees good you have to be able to be aware of the trees and your peripherals, but be focused on the path that you're going to take, you know, which, yep. I mean, there's infinite meaning to that in life and so many other things, but for skiing specifically, a lot of people do that in the park too, where they're like, I've literally heard people say before they go into a jump, like, I'm probably going to fall on this. And then they die. And I'm like, what are you doing? Is that you? It's a hundred percent me. Up, you know? So yeah something that I've been really trying to push on my stories and to people that ask me questions and stuff is like, you have to decide first that you're going to commit fully and give it your best shot. And yeah, again, you have to be aware of that possible fall. Yeah. But if you go into it thinking like, I'm probably going to fall, like it, you're gonna, you know? Yeah. So, and that's, it's, it's hard. It takes practice. So. Yeah, yeah. it's totally, it's, definitely one of the biggest things I struggle with I'm the best at just touching a feature and having like my bailout like I won't ever commit to like if I'm like trying to do a board slide or something in my head I'll be like I need to commit I need to commit and then I get up to it and I'll just touch it and come off I'm like well at least I stayed on my feet but then I'm mad because I'm like I didn't actually ride the whole thing and it looks goofy and mm -hmm. so something I was battling with yesterday, actually, and I was stoked because by the end, it wasn't the prettiest board slide, but I like fully committed. I didn't like come off at a weird angle and I made it to the end and I was like small feature, but like big win. And I think people have to look at that as like, even if all they're trying to do is get a 50 and they keep like eating crap or maybe they like bail out before they even hit it and they're just getting mad. It's like, take the really, really small win and like, or even regress back. You're trying to board slide and you're like, you can't get it do a 50 like do something to like get your confidence back up again so that you can be like okay I can commit to this because I I do think that what you mentioned before committing is like at least for me the hardest and most infuriating thing like that over fear definitely totally yeah I have a lot to say about commitment a lot um <laughs> I I think that you can do exactly what you said you do right i know a lot of people that and that's a great first step to ride onto something kind of not half-assed but like knowing that you're not going to do the whole thing but you're getting a feel for it you know what yeah. i mean I think that's a great step i think that's a great way to um show yourself the beginning process of the actual trick if that makes sense like to operationalize yeah. um but there comes a point where you have to just do it like you have to mm -hmm. Like there's never going to be a time where you go into it like with that um, intention and then you accidentally slide the whole rail. Like that's just not, it might happen like one out of 20 times, but it's really rare. So like it's, and you're right. Commitment is the hardest part. Like that is the hardest mm -hmm. part for sure. But in my opinion, committing to a trick is going to always get you a better result than going into it with half commitment yeah again what you just said where like let's say there's a really gnarly rail and you're working up to it and you like you want to just kind of jump over it at first that's totally fine but if you're going into like a, a jump or you know a cliff or something like that and you you're not decided that you're going to commit it gets really dangerous really fast like yeah. my biggest falls my biggest injuries have always been from a lack of commitment you know yep totally Totally. Well, let's kind of talk about that. Do you have like any crazy injury stories where you maybe 
like we're just so broken from something you did and you're like I, maybe I can't even continue skiing type of thing oh yeah for sure um two significant ones I'll go over the like small things a lot of people tear their tear their ACLs never had an, a knee injury you better never. knock on wood right now I know I know I got it um yeah that's what I'm working so hard for though is to prevent that but anyways I I've never had like what the common ski injuries. I've broken my nose like four or five times while skiing, <laughs> like knees to face or, you know, knees to pull some other instances where I hit my face on the ground, like broken nose. Um, I've had bruised ribs before, like small things like that. A lot of concussions um, every time wearing a helmet too. But the main ones are when I was a sophomore in high school, I was on the park and pipe team skiing with um our coach and our team um a little background of what happened i was driving up all of my friends that were on the team as well i just got my license like a week ago and mm -hmm. i was we were late to ski practice and our coach was like getting hard on us because we were showing up late a lot and i was like all right guys we come on like we got to get out there so i was hauling ass you know, 16 years old. I was only supposed to have one family member in the car at the time, but I had six kids packed in there and got pulled over five minutes from the resort. First oh speed ticket, God. like going 22 over is a bad speeding ticket. And it crushed me. Like I'm, I was a little sensey boy back then, you know, like that got to me. Like I was like, it, it hurt me on the inside. I called my parents and they were like, you fucked up, man. Like you, you know, whatever, like it's yeah. whatever, but you messed up. All my friends went skiing and I was in this headspace of just like, oh, God damn it. Like, so sad, you know, mm -hmm. just a little background because it's such a ridiculous injury. Um, three runs or so into the day, skiing down the main green blue run that we have on, on Purgatory. Groomer, you know, nothing crazy. It was like March, late March or early April. So it was a little bit slushy and I was going really, really fast switch. So backwards. So, you know, going really fast and I went to turn to forward and when I turned to forward halfway over, I caught my edge and fully just collapsed. And what happened was I was holding my poles and I somehow managed to land on my hand, holding the pole handle right in like this soft spot of my abdomen and uh lacerated my kidney like really really bad so it was oh a great great four out of five laceration so grade five lacerations are like very close to death not many people survive that you know so grade four very serious i remember getting the air knocked out of me and then it just never coming back the air never came back and i realized something was really wrong i was just screaming on the ground coach came over to me called ski patrol they took me down in a sled it was like definitely the most painful experience i've ever had like going over this choppy slush in a sled while like i had this internal organ that was burst inside of me oh my uh, God. they cut off all of my ski gear which was really sad <laughs> like all my favorite shirts and jackets they cut off and realized they did like a, a quick scan at the place and realized something was very wrong. So I got an ambulance from the mountain to the hospital in Durango. And then I got flight for life from there to Denver. So, and it wasn't a hell, it was like a jet. They took me on a jet. And my dad said that the last thing that they said to him, they saw, they saw them carrying like these huge bags of blood onto the plane. And they said that his, um, my, uh, the, the, bubble around the kidney is filling with blood and if it bursts i could bleed out in minutes so they were getting ready for like a full-on transfusion and i i don't remember any of this i was fully out by the time i was in the ambulance like they knocked me out because i was screaming and freaking you know oh my god so yeah um i was in a hospital in denver in icu for two and a half weeks i got a catheter I got a stint in my kidney, which is like this thing that just kind of holds it together. No external surgery, which is crazy. I was at this age where like, they were like, you're going to heal on your own. We're just making sure that everything's going to like, you know, heal up good. And we have to keep you here until whatever. 
Yeah, pretty brutal experience. A lot of like a lot of painkillers. And I just remember being like feeling like a vegetable in there. And it was horrible. I missed like a month of school. I had to go back to school with a catheter strapped to my leg. So like filled with blood, walking around. Oh. A crud. It was really bad. And I remember seeing this article in the paper when I got back that my mom had hung on the fridge and it was like uh skier from Durango High School gets impaled by his ski pole. And I was like, that's not what happened at all. <laughs> everyone was everyone was like, dude, you you like stabbed yourself with a ski pole. And for still to this day, I I have people like, you're that kid who got stabbed by the ski pole. But <laughs> so that was like the worst of the worst, you know, like, you know, no ACL, but a a brutally exploded kidney. And then so much worse than an ACL, definitely. <laughs> but you know, no leg injuries. So I was able to ski the next season, like full force people ask me all the time like why would you go back and I mean I wasn't doing anything crazy like it was literally just yeah. one of those freak accidents you know um, the next injury that I had that was significant was I ruptured my spleen the first year I moved out to Breckenridge which was another internal injury don't know how this <laughs> literally like I would rather break a collarbone or like whatever all these people you know maybe not though maybe not but that was another like you know really weird thing where I did a trick on a jump and I landed, but my ski came off when I landed. So I landed on one ski. And then as I was going down the landing, I picked up a bunch of speed on the one ski. And then I caught my edge again. And like, just same thing, like really heavy impact to my abdomen. Um, I could tell something was not right. Like I, you know, I went up the lift to grab my backpack and I was like, just holding myself realizing that something was not right so I drove myself to the hospital and they were ruptured spleen you yeah. drove um. I it was at that it was right at that point where like I almost kept skiing and I almost went to work but it just kept getting worse and worse like by the time I got to the hospital I was like I almost fell out of the car you know because it and I got so bad but when I got there there it was another thing where I went to the emergency room and they did a MRI or a scan or I forget what it was, but they were like, we need to get you to Denver right now. Like right now you need to take an ambulance to Denver. And I was like, no, let me have my, my roommate drive me. Cause ambulances are, you know, I remember from the first time oh, we had a bill for like 25 grand insurance covered most of it, but it's just like, I was trying to avoid the ambulance at all, at all costs, you know, but I had to, I had to go in the ambulance because it was a you know, since they already put me in the hospital, I had the the wrist thing. It was like, if they would have let me go, I could have sued them. It was a liability issue. Anyways, that was like a three-day hospital thing. And then about three weeks of kind of just chilling and recovering. No surgery, no nothing like that. Um, but, you know, really weird, unique injuries. And definitely learned yeah. a lot from them. And that's another reason that I'm really trying to build muscle because at the time I was really skinny and I feel like that could have contributed but um Maybe. I think that just comes down to a lot of impact I think more than anything muscles can help a lot more with like rotational breaks I totally but agree. like with internal injuries I would like to think being stronger would help but honestly I don't know those are wild freak freak accidents you know and uh but it's another just great like to me, that was another sign of like, okay, we have to be prepared, you know, yeah. got to be prepared. And then, yeah, other than that, just concussion. So I think that it's important to um, just remember that like we do a very dangerous sport and things can happen, you know, not don't, don't let that scare you, but just to have that as like a, I'm going to do everything in my control again is another just motivator there. Sorry yeah. to go on the tangent, but had to tell those background stories too. <laughs> Podcasts are four tangents. That's like the entire point of them. <laughs> no, this is the first one. So I'm like, am I talking too much? Am I not? <laughs> no, no, no. But I do want to kind of touch on like the fitness and training aspect because obviously that's what I do and that's what you do now. So we'll kind of shadow over the part that like going pro didn't exactly happen, even though you are an absolutely like bomb skier so now you're kind of breaking into the like fitness realm side of it and you changed into becoming like really strength based and you actually have some athletes now so do you kind of want to touch on how that started coming about yeah for sure um my parents had a home gym when I was growing up um I, I took all the fitness classes that I could in high school I never did any like you know 
fitness heavy sports like football or basketball or anything Mm -hmm. Uh, but fitness like strength specifically and like building muscle was always something in my head I was always a very skinny kid Um, and I would I remember looking at some of my friends not in a weird way but just like we would go to the river and everyone has their shirt off and I would always feel like the skinniest guy there you know and it like it was a self-conscious aspect of me of just like you know like we're teenagers that's just how it felt so it was like embedded in me from an early age that I've always wanted to really get into fitness build muscle build my physique Mm. Um, about three or four years ago I really started to take the gym seriously and I would go either at 11 o'clock p.m at night after I got out of work or I would go at four in the morning or five in the morning and then go ski Um, the consistency was always a little wavy you know what I mean but um, it was always something that I would would always circle back to it like not even just on like the first of January but you know like month to month I would always be like okay I got to get back after it and then I would go through these phases of like full-on go for it and then I get get distracted go party like I was also in that very heavy phase of my life where was very influenced by the the culture, the lifestyle of Breckenridge and mountain towns, which is very heavily based on going out to the bars and partying and the opera scene and all that stuff. So pretty deep into that, I realized like I needed a change. I wanted to really make a like I was sick of going to the same bar, playing pool till one in the morning, feeling really shitty the next day, not being able to perform as well as I wanted in skiing. Yeah. And I just, you know, (laughs) excuse me. I wanted to make a change. So I was in one of those um, periods where I was like really, really focusing on fitness, going to the gym. I was doing really well, being consistent. And right around this time, I met my girlfriend, Elise, who is a competitive bodybuilder. And she's also a very heavy skier. And she wanted to get into park skiing. We met on the lift at Copper. And we basically like, you know, she told me she was a bodybuilder. This isn't, she'll tell you, this isn't how the story goes, but this is like the, the quick notes version uh, (laughs) notes version. And we'd pretty much traded like, okay, I'm going to give my all to fitness. Can you show me how, can you like point me in the right direction, help me with the right people, like educate me, find, you know, help me educate myself. And then I'll do the same for you with skiing. And we just kind of like, we clicked and that that's when my fitness really took off. So that was almost two years ago, um, coming up next month today. So really, really went all in with fitness. Um, as soon as I met her, I spent every single penny that I had, which at the time was the most amount of money I've ever had at one time. It was like $2,000. I put it all into a bodybuilding coach, like paid in full for a year. I was like, this is my commitment. Like I'm, I'm going for this full, you know, I want to want to do it. And you know, the nutrition side of it was the biggest part for me that I really needed to focus on. I needed to gain weight I needed to gain muscle. It was, I'm very active. I'm constantly, you know, doing endurance activities and my metabolism is fast. I mean, those are all just excuses, but it was hard for me to gain weight in the past. I thought I was putting in the right effort to eat enough, but I was not even coming close. So yeah, I really learned a lot about nutrition. I learned a lot about how to work out effectively. Um, and then once I started building some muscle, I really, really, found a passion for the mobility side of things as well, joint health. Um, I knew that that was a big aspect in skiing that I couldn't just get to this huge bodybuilder physique and not be super agile and mobile because it's not going to allow me to do what I want to do. You know, like I would have that physique that I've always wanted, but I would not be able to perform as best as I could. And so I I just had this realization of like, I'm going to do both. Like I'm going to be the most ripped person on the mountain doing the biggest tricks. Like that was my goal. <laughs> Seriously. I did not to be, that's just went, what went through my head. And um, so since then I've, I've done tons of research. I've taken classes. I've been with multiple coaches. I live with one of the most, you know, Elise is one of the most hardcore bodybuilder, um, passionate people that I've ever met that I've ever seen. And it's my life now, you know, like figuring out, and spreading the word of how you can be as healthy as possible, as fit as possible in a way that will also help you improve your athletic ability. That's kind of my, yeah. my totally, totally. Cause yeah, there, there definitely is a disconnect between like bodybuilding and like performance training for snowboarding, but there are a lot of aspects that are the same. 
And so it is kind of like a balance that you have to figure out, but also it depends on your goals. Like if your goals are more physique based, then like that should be your main priority. And then you can throw in the extras, but it really just depends like person to person. But you do have like some ski athletes too, which I think are younger kids, right? They're all kind of in high school-ish. Yeah. So I, I train people from, I have two 13 year olds. I have, so I have nine clients, 10 clients total right now. Um, two of them are 13. The rest are 14 and 15. And then I have two 28 and 29 year olds. Nice. So, younger but also you know I'm, i really like working with those people that are just about to hit 32 because that's another like mental block that people get and mm -hmm. i'm not there yet but i feel like i have this um this energy and this this passion for showing people that they don't have to retire at 28 I, i've heard so many people like some of my friends are 25 like turning 26 and they're like I can't do it. My body's not doing it anymore. And I'm like, bro, what? Like, yeah. you, like even the people that love skiing more than I do, they're like, I just can't do this anymore. And they make excuses about I'm a certain age. I'm 26 and, I, you know, pushing it this hard as in the past for me. And so I just, I love being like, huh? Yeah, right, dude, let's get after it. Like, let's, you know, let's get you confident again. Let's get you past this hump. And so yeah. I love that too. But also being able to inspire the youth and show them that working out can be cool you know like I, that's like the the approach that i take is i want to show them that working out is cool putting effort into things is cool like trying hard that's cool man like you're yeah. you're not cool if you don't try at anything and if you make fun of people for trying like that's just not it that's not it so it's, it's awesome yeah totally and a lot of people most people don't have natural ability and have a lot of like physical or mental roadblocks and things so that doesn't mean that they shouldn't like go for it like I am probably like one of the least like I'm a really good at being mid at things like that's <laughs> like, that is my like baseline like I was like when I grew up in like competitive scenes for things I was always like second place so I was never like the person that just had the natural ability and like that's fine you know like there's nothing wrong with that but I'm also going to try like as hard as I possibly can to do the like be the best that I can. Right. And yeah. I think it's super important to like show people that regardless of age, you can do that. And I think it is cool. Like you and I are the same age. And so I think it's really cool to be on the little bit younger of a spectrum and still be able to say like, I have still struggled with things like I have been in injuries. I still have like, I had the worst like range of motion when I was like 17. People are wow. like, oh, well, you're so young. And I'm like, yeah, but I have a weird body. Like yeah, I had really long legs and a really short torso. And like, I just had terrible mobility and range of motion, all those kinds of things. And it's amazing now because I put in the work, not just because I'm young. And so I think yeah. it's really easy to show people that like, at any age, you can be good or you can be bad. It doesn't really depend on your age. Yeah. I think people are very quick to use that as an excuse, to be honest, like in the most, I know that's harsh, but it's true. Like people will, people are, people love to use their age as like an excuse not to put in the work. And that's yeah. fine. Like, you know, if you're someone that isn't as hungry or, you know, wants it as bad, then that's fine. But yeah. I, I know a lot of people too that, complain all the time that they're not at a certain place or they're not their body doesn't feel good and they're still trying but they complain about it and they use that as an excuse and that's just where you just need to implement the different habits and you know make a change and just like you said I think that's really cool that you already had that little experience experience of going from point a to point b you know what I mean that's really mm -hmm. powerful yeah and I think it's like important for people to find the fun in it too like if you genuinely hate working out and you don't have the drive to like do the thing like don't don't like if yeah. it's gonna make you miserable then like there's no point but yeah. I do understand what you're saying when people complain and then they're just mad at themselves but then they don't make yeah. a change and like I used to be that person like I used to complain all the time I even found myself yesterday like I took out a new board and I was like frustrated because I couldn't figure out how to use it. I couldn't do the same things. And I was just getting mad. And I was just like, I was like, I'm snowboarding. Like, why am I angry right now? Like, go have fun. Like, even if you suck today, like, so what? You know, 
totally totally yeah excuses are my that's my biggest uh new year's resolution is to cut out all excuses and it's hard it's so hard mm. like i've been working on that for the last year and i still find myself sneaking them in you know oh yeah we're human we're human and a lot of people like compare themselves i think this is really important too to touch on just for skiing and fitness in general is a lot of people compare themselves to you know where others are at now but they don't see where they started you know like yeah. i think that's important to a lot of people ask you know tell me like i would never ski with you i would never ski with you because you would make me feel so horrible at skiing and i'm like no like a lot of people say that and i'm like Honestly, I would do nothing but try to hype you up. I, I'm not someone who, you know, I like to go fast. I like to like keep the pace up, but I would never bring someone down. Like all I'm going to like you skiing with me is just going to improve. You know, that's just going to improve you. I, I like, I've always looked for people that are better to, than me to ski with. I think that's super important. I love working out with people that are way bigger than me, way stronger than me. Um, yep surrounding yourself with people that are better than you is really important and like you can't compare yourself to where they're at now you just have to look at that and be like okay this is where the journey begins you know yeah I I've always snowboarded with people that are better than me and I do think like there's times and places for both like yeah. I can go really fast but I can't do tricks when I'm doing speed and a lot of my friends can do a lot of tricks down the hill at speed and so it's like okay, well, if I'm trying to learn new things, like I can't go fast. And so then I can't keep up with them and that's fine. But if I want to go mob with them, I can. And so I think like that's fun too. And there's always a time and a place, but I think it's really important to ride with those people that will make you better and not, if they make you feel like crap because they can't keep up with you, like ditch them obviously. But yeah. if they're a lot, like you can just like follow them through things. Like for me, it helps me find like new side hits I might've missed or just like, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't, I didn't even think that you could do that trick off of there. Let me try it next time or like stuff like that. And I think that that's really fun too. Totally agree. Yeah. I, I truly credit my ability in skiing to the people that I skied with the most um, when I was in high school. And like, even now, I mean, you know, things in mountain towns also, a lot of people move, people go back and forth. You know what I mean? So it's hard to find that like solid crew that will just be your ride or die forever it always changes. So you got to make connections. You got to, you got to find new people to inspire you constantly. You got to talk to people on the lift. Like mm. it's really important to network while you're out there because you also never know when someone's trying the same exact thing as you. And like, you, you know, you could go and do the same thing together, but yeah, inspiring yourself, pushing yourself by riding with people that are better than you is always a great, great place to start if you're trying to improve. Yeah, totally. Well, last little like segment, I guess that I want to talk about is like joint health. You mentioned earlier, like you didn't have an ACL injury and you're trying to work towards like being strong and having that muscle resilience and mobility. So I know personally, we've talked about this before and some people listening might have seen it. Um, I probably seen it on my stories. If they follow, you might've seen it on yours, but there's like a specific joint supplement that we both take that helps with specifically for us our knees but it works for all like soft tissue and muscle limitation or mobility limitation stuff like that so you kind of want to touch on this like joint supplement that you take to help with your mobility and your knee cracking and all those kinds of things yeah absolutely so again playing soccer my whole life um skiing my whole life like doing those same things um we're we're extreme athletes like we we search for those those sports that make us afraid and put impact on our bodies that's just how it is like skateboarding whether you're a mountain biker whether you're even a hiker or a, a backpacker or someone who you know works their body in that way a lot um, I think should very much consider focusing on their joint health and that comes the best results that I've seen have been using this joint supplement that we're speaking about with the right movements, the right exercises, the right physical work, because a lot of people will take supplements and just be like, you know, expect things to magically happen. When in reality, it's going to work the best if you can do both, if you can add them in together. So um, I've always had issues with my knees hurting. Um, I've, my knees pop all the time and crack when I bend over. It's something that, you know, hasn't caused any insane issues 
right now, but I know that in the future, I'm going to be dealing with that. And that's something that I'm, I'm, we're all going for longevity. You know what I mean? (laughs) Excuse me. So being able to do what we want at the best and highest caliber that we can for as long as we want. That's like the goal. You know what I mean? And when I found this supplement, um, it's called BioCell. It's like, uh, basically it's chondroitin sulfate, collagen, and hyaluronic acid mixed together. So it's this magical formula that's patented and it's got a ton of awards. It's clinically proven. Um, and there's other, you know, they have a few different kinds that have, have other added benefits and stuff. But the, the, the bulk of it is that that formula is the only collagen uh, matrix supplement that actually mirrors our human composition of joints. So it's very important to look at where, you know, collagen is a huge, um, it's, it's rising. Like everyone wants collagen. Everyone's on collagen. My mom takes it. My, you know, my younger sister takes it. Like everyone of all ages wants collagen because it makes you stay younger, longer. It's, you know, it helps your joints. It helps your nails. It helps your hair. It helps your skin, everything. So it's really important to look at where these things are sourced from, um, how they're made, what the company is like, like who's who's making this, who's putting this out there. A lot of people get the cheapest thing that's on the market, to be honest, you know, and that's something that I've been, I used to do as well. I'd go to city market and I would get the cheapest things that I could find. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. But this is one of those things where it's like medicine, you know, and if you're going to put something in your body, you might as well make sure it's a good thing. So um, another tangent here, but just to kind of wrap it up, I mean, this stuff has changed my life. I've been taking it for almost two years now. Um, it's helped with shoulder injuries. Um, I'm able to go and ski as hard as I can and then go to the gym and and deadlift and squat afterwards. And I've never been able to do that before. So um, I definitely think it's important to touch on. I appreciate you mentioning it because it's uh, it's definitely a huge part and a staple of my fitness and my skiing. Yeah, well, and I think a big thing to mention too is that people hear the word collagen and for a while it was like this crazy buzzword and everyone was like, I want collagen. And I think there still is that side of it. But I also think because it's been around for a little bit and because it had this big buzz, people hear the word and they're like, oh, I tried that. It didn't do anything. And like, that was me. I was like, I tried it and it didn't like, it doesn't work. Like it's fake. And I looked into it and it's like, well, if you buy a powdered collagen, it actually is fake for the most part because you can't actually absorb it. And it just gets put into your body as protein. So, and it's not a complete protein either. So it's definitely not a protein replacement by any means. So don't take collagen as like a protein powder because that's not just use a protein powder, but you're also not really absorbing collagen. You're lucky if you get like 20, 30%, maybe. And like, that's not enough to do anything or see any results truly. So don't get scared by hearing the word collagen because this is, I don't even like to say it's a collagen. Like it's a joint supplement. It's It's not collagen. (laughs) It's so much more than that because, yeah, I mean, all of the other collagens are like, if you're looking at collagen for a joint, for joint health, they're all in, incomplete. They don't have the chondroitin sulfate. They don't have the hyaluronic acid. Um, I've seen a lot of people that are trying to emulate this particular formula as well, put it into a liquid form. Um, you know, you can, you can buy chondroitin sulfate separately and hyaluronic acid separately, but it's the combination, the amount it's everything that they did with this company is phenomenal for joint health specifically. And if you're look, if you're someone that's looking for something to maybe help stop inf- or slow inflama- inflammation or increase mobility, if you have cartilage issues, this stuff is the go-to. Like it's the go-to because um, again, a lot of people listening to this, I assume are athletes and people that are pushing their bodies. And I think, just like we were saying before about preparation, like why wouldn't you do everything in your control to try to keep yourself from injuries and give yourself the most confidence? Like if you go out on the mountain and you want to try something brand new and you know that you have the ability, but you get out of bed in the morning and you're like, ah, my knees are just like, they're hurting a little bit today. Like you pop four ibuprofen your stomach hurts a little bit. It's not, maybe you smoke some weed. I don't know. Is it legal in Arizona yet? No, it's legal. <laughs> okay. Um, so maybe you do that and it affects how you're looking at, you know, how it makes you more afraid. Like, and then you regret doing it. You know what I mean? I've been through all of that yeah. stuff. I've taken ibuprofen for years and years to help my knees. And it's, it's like a, putting a bandaid over it. Mm-hmm. Like all these things are, 
are band-aids and you're going to have to do it the next day and none of them are holistic which i'm pretty sure the meaning you know i'm saying this because i don't just to make sure i'm i'm pretty sure that holistic means that it helps everything as a whole you know yeah it's like it's natural for the most part like when i natural think holistic i think like natural like not just a bunch of like ibuprofen like medications or like western medicine i guess could be considered not holistic so like more natural approach to your body which like there's time and place for both 100 percent. but i think for the most part working towards something that is more natural and sustainable is always going to be like a better option sure yeah where the other ones are band-aids this stuff like this is the the stuff that will continue to help you every single day that you take it and consistency is huge just like any other supplement you know like it's not a lot of people go through one bottle in 30 days and they're like you know i i, I didn't see much of a difference but truthfully like 90 days is when you're going to start seeing the real significant difference and a lot of people can't make it to them and that's totally fine but it's also great practice for you to practice consistency with your nutrition with what you're putting in your body with the things that maybe you do it right before you stretch every morning and you combine it with one other healthy activity. You know what I mean? I think it's just a great opportunity to improve your, you know, your body as a whole. So yeah, just like we were saying, why not prepare? Why not take the extra step? And if you're, if you're serious about improving, if you're serious about preventing injuries, if you're serious about um, longevity, this is something that I would look into for sure. And then follow Kaylee and follow her workouts. Like that's, those are the two things doing what you do and what we do mixed with that. That is the key to longevity in our sport. Truly. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'll have it all linked down below. You guys can check it out. If you have any questions, you can hit up me, you can hit up Ian. We can explain more. Like we said, we both take it. So if you have any questions about it, I know it's something like brand new and it's expensive and it can be a commitment, but I truly do think it's worth it. So definitely check it out. If you have a minute, it'll be in the description for all places that this is on. So let's go. Well, awesome. I just wanted to remind everyone that Ian's uh, Instagram is Ian Osby. So definitely go check him out. He has a ton of really sick skiing clips. He's trying to hit it on TikTok too. So maybe go check out his TikTok and yeah, just absolutely amazing. You're killing it out in Breckenridge. So hopefully I can make it out this year. That's the goal. I do want to ride with you sometime. And I just think it'd be really fun. We have to. We have to. <laughs> I, know. Um, I know. I need to drive up there. It's such a long drive, though. I know. But hey, you have a place to stay. We'll hang out. It'll be great. I'm super. Thank you again for inviting me to this. And I love talking about these things. I think we could go on for another three hours about you know, skiing, snow sports, fitness, all of these things. So let's do another one sometime and we'll just keep going. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, thank you again for coming on. It's been great. Of course. Thanks, Kaylee.